Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, the holidays are about here. They are. And it's, it's exciting. What a great time of the year. Yeah, it's um, you know, you got Christmas music everywhere and uh, you know, stores are you know, lit with lights and Christmas trees and it's that time of the year. Now, have you made your list? Not yet. Yeah, I've made my list. Have you? I have. I okay, have. have you dispersed it out to people? I actually have. Okay. Yeah. I'm not talking about the list of what I'm going to buy other people. I'm talking about the list of what I want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Kathy, really? Kathy kind of incited me to, she, she encouraged me to make a list because, you know, somebody was asking her. We draw names, so it was yeah. only one person. So I, I I went on Amazon and, you know, looked at my favorite topics and I pulled, picked out Had like something golf. five or six things. Oh, yeah, I have a golf alignment tool that was really cool, magnet that sticks on the club face and shows you exactly where the putter's facing. And, oh, nice. You know, I just got some some, some great great tool bag, yeah. you know, and I got some of those motion, some of those lights that are like uh, Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. you know, smart lights yeah, that you put in your house, all, yeah. kinds, all kinds of stuff. Good. Yeah, I mean, so you need well, to make your list and disseminate it. That's right. I'm glad you're <laughs> thinking about yourself this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, not on purpose, but I was <laughs> you, told you right. to make the list. You followed instructions. <laughs> I did that. But, hey, I won't get another tie, right? I mean, I'll no get ties. something I really, no really ties. like. That'll be great. So there you go. Um, well, we got some great topics today. Um, speaking of which, we're going to talk about – um, the five rule, the five year rules related to Roth. So we're going to talk about Roth IRAs. What a great tool mm-hmm. for young people, especially to put money away, to have it totally tax free. But there are some five year rules that are associated with, with the Roths that you need to understand. So we're going to cover those today and cover some of the details about Roths. You know, what a great tool. It's time to, to kind of re, re-up your thinking on uh, on the Roth IRA. Yeah, and then we're going to turn our uh, conversation and focus a little bit on the um, the, uh, the national debt. You know, it's about $22 trillion uh, is a recent figure. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about that in the, uh, the news media and so forth, um, uh, you know, trying to figure out exactly how that's going to affect our future is, is what we'll kind of discuss you know, we've been having these discussions, Steve, for for decades with the national debt, and right. you know, a lot of people like to put the scare in you, and um, it's something to to be aware of, and but to uh, to be concerned at this point, probably not. And we'll kind of get you know dive into some details on that, but it is a topic that comes up from time to time. Certainly, yeah, very important topic. You know, we want to put it in perspective, um, but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic, and uh, so we'll dive into that. Hopefully, it won't be too much of a Debbie Downer going from uh, holidays to nah, national. We'll debt. put it in perspective. We'll keep it in perspective here. By the way, I'm Steve Marvin. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 24 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. Uh, we have the link to uh, all the podcasts out there you can check out. A lot of videos, a lot of tools, uh, some retirement calculators, a uh, Facebook page that we uh, post a weekly uh, video on. So uh, check that out. And uh, you know, if you have any questions, please let us know. And we'd also love to hear your questions, so you can email them directly to us at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. 
Yeah, this is uh, comes from the Government Accountability Office. And, um, you know, Steve, we've heard about the baby boomers retiring, and we see it, and we see folks retiring all the time. But uh, in the year 2020, about 10,800 Americans will turn 65 uh, each day. So that's one every eight seconds. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot. It that's is. a lot of baby boomers. It is. And that's the 10th out of the 19 years uh, the baby boomers will be turning 65. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we see people retiring in droves in the CSRA. I mean, folks have been working out there and they're in their uh, 60s, you know, and looking to, to make that next uh, step. And uh, it's, we're in the middle of it right now. And, and they're going through the system. We see, you know, Medicare and Social Security and, I'm yeah. sure those offices are just slammed. Yeah, well. I bet. And it is a strain on the Medicare Social Security system, but hey, it's a boon to healthcare stocks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so interesting fact of the week, though. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is um, Roth IRAs, um, the five year rules. This is out of Investopedia, um, Jim Probosco, a uh, very recent article. But you know, John, I mean, Roth IRAs are, are one of the fantastic tools that were created some 20-something years ago, over 20 years ago now, Mm -hmm. um, 1996, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, for young people, it is is just an amazing tool to get money in a tax-free environment where it'll be tax-free forever. Um, And it grows tax-free. Um, you know, but it, it, but one of the boons about it is that you're free. I mean, you're free from the taxes. You're free to withdraw your funds when you want to um, after age 59 and a half and in the contributions even before age 59 and a half. It's all tax free. Um, but when it comes to tax advantage vehicles, of course, the IRS never makes it simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, unfortunately, the Roth is no no different from that. Um there are some caveats, so um, we're going to talk about some of those withdrawals from uh, from Roth IRAs. Uh, they, they can be can be restricted, particularly if you um, if you inherit the IRA. Um, so there's just some way. It, well, so you just have to be aware of the five year rules. And there's a five year rule, and it applies to three different situations. One is from the earnings in the IRAs. Um, also, if you convert a traditional IRA to a Roth or if you inherit a Roth IRA. So we're going to dig into that a little bit. Yeah, so let's go through some of the uh, some of the basics. I mean, when you fund a Roth, you're putting after-tax contributions into the account, which means you didn't get a tax deduction when you um, when you made them initially. And that's why there's no taxes due on the money with you when you do w- withdraw it. And so before, you know, we get into the 5-year rules, here's a, a quick recap, um, you know, with uh, Roth distributions and um, you know, the IRS uh, has a lot of information on this, but the first one is is that you can always withdraw contributions from a Roth IRA with no penalty at any age. Yeah, and that's an amazing benefit, really. It is. You put it in there. If you need to pull it back out, it's after tax money. You can you you, you can do that. Um, at age fifty nine and a half, you can withdraw both contributions and earnings with no penalty provided that your Roth IRA has been open for at least five years. So that initial contribution, you can pull it out whenever you want. Yeah, and that's that's uh, like I said, the, the initial contributions is an amazing benefit for young people that put money in there, and you know, I mean, so it's like, why wouldn't you fund a Roth? Because you can get that money back, the original contributions, even if you needed it mm-hmm. um, for a young person. So that's that's a, a, a great benefit, and one of the reasons why I, I really favor that for young people. Um, 
But with regards to the five-year rules, it means the clock starts ticking January 1st of the first year that you make a contribution to the Roth account, um, and that affects your earnings, right? You can't draw the earnings out till after five years. So Roth IRA contributions for 2019, um, anytime up to uh, April 15th, 2020, for example, um, would count as if it was made on January 1st, 2019. So it actually backs up all the way to the beginning of the year. Um, so in that case, you could start withdrawing money, money, you know, from your Roth um, without a penalty in January of 2024. Um, so you know that's a pretty good, mm-hmm. pretty good that's benefit. Favorable. It's favorable as well. You know, a withdrawal that is 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 ta- a withdrawal is tax and penalty free um, if it's called a qualified distribution, and uh, a withdrawal that incurs taxes and penalties is called a non qualified distribution. Um, so in some, you know, if you take the distributions in your Roth IRA earnings before you meet the five-year rules and before you're 59 and a half, um, you have to be prepared to pay a 10% penalty on your earnings. Um, but for regular account owners, the five-year rule uh, applies only to Roth IRA earnings and to funds that were converted from a traditional Roth. So in other words, your original contributions mm-hmm. don't count in that. Um, so that's for... That's for the uh, withdrawal the earnings. Um, but for the for the first Roth IRA five-year rule, it's used to determine if the earnings from the Roth are going to be tax-free or not. Um, and then you must withdraw the earnings after age 59 and a half. So basically, you can't touch the earnings until 59 and a half and five years um, from your first contribution to the Roth. That's really the caveat for the earnings that go into it. So that's the five-year rule for withdrawing from the, uh, for, for a contributions to a Roth. Yeah, I guess another kind of disclaimer here is, uh, you know, you may want to work with a CPA on this as well. Um, yeah, it sounds and, and simple, but it gets complicated pretty quick. It does, it does. And then, you know, you've got another set of rules for Roth uh, conversions. People are doing a lot of conversions out there. So the second five-year rule determines whether the distribution of principal uh, from the conversion of a traditional IRA uh, to a Roth IRA is penalty-free. And remember, you're, you're paying uh, taxes on that when you do the conversion into the Roth account. So as with contributions, the five-year rule for Roth conversions uses uh, the tax years, um, but the conversion must occur by December the 31st of the calendar year. So a little bit different nuance there, but um, something that you want to be aware of, that there's still going to be a five-year, you know, rule associated with conversions. Yeah, that's right. So the conversion has to be in there five years as well. Um, that's kind of the bottom line there. Um, so for instance, if you converted your traditional IRA to a Roth IRA on November, 2019, um, you know, right now your five-year period will begin on January 1st, 2019. So it will move back up. So you get to the beginning of the year again. Um, but if you did that in February, 2020, the five-year period will begin next year. So, you know, don't get that mixed up with the extra months that are allowed if you make a direct contribution to your Roth. Um, every Each contribution, though, has its own five-year period, um, or each conversion, excuse me. When you convert, convert money to a Roth, it starts a new five-year period for that conversion. For instance, if you converted your traditional IRA to a Roth in 2018, um, the five-year period for those conversions uh, would begin on January 1st, 2018. If you later converted another traditional IRA to a Roth in 2019, uh, the five-year period for that would begin on January 1st, 2019. So every time you convert, <clears throat> there's a new five-year period 
for those conversions. So, you know, it's a little bit confusing, I know, but I mean, to determine whether you're affected by this five-year rule, you need to consider whether the funds that you want to withdraw include converted assets or not. Um, you know, if so, those years <clears throat> that you did the conversions were made will come into play. Um, but if you have enough contributions to to make those uh, to to, distrib- to distribute just contributions from your Roth, then you don't need to worry about the conversions. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the bottom line. Yeah, and there are some exceptions to this five year rule. Um, you may be able to withdraw earnings uh, without meeting the five year rule, regardless of your age. If you use it for your first home, so up to ten thousand dollars, or or you pay for higher higher education costs for yourself spouse, child, or grandchild. Uh, The IRS will also allow you to withdraw funds to pay for uh, health insurance premiums if you become unemployed uh, or if you need to reimburse yourself for medical expenses that exceed 10% of your adjusted gross income. We do hear people saying they want to use Roth accounts to save for college. I would, I mean, if you put it in a Roth account, try to leave it alone if you can. Right. And uh, don't pull it out for college. Save for college in a different vehicle because when you get into retirement and you have a couple hundred thousand dollars in Roths that have no taxes on them, that's going to be a really good deal. Yeah, it's such a great deal for retirement. You hate to see people pull the money out early and use it for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's, you know, it does have that flexibility. Yep. Um, so, uh, so now the Roth IRA, the five year rule that applies to IRA beneficiaries, um, if you inherit a benefit, a Roth IRA, um, when the Roth IRA owner dies, the beneficiaries who inherit the account, they can take distributions without a penalty, um, no matter whether distribution is principal or earnings. Okay, so however, though, if the death does not totally, the death doesn't totally get you off the hook for the five-year rule. If you're, you as a beneficiary take a distribution from an inherited Roth IRA that wasn't held for five years, then the earnings will be subject to tax. Um, but thanks to withdrawal um, order mentioned, you know, before mm-hmm. where you can take out earnings first, you still may end up um, owing no taxes since the earnings are, are part of that distribution and that can be taken at any time without any tax. Um, so note, though, that the Roth IRA beneficiaries, um, until the original account owner dies, you do have to take required minimum distributions um from the IRA. Um, so if you inherit a Roth IRA, you're going to have to take RMDs yep. from the account. Um, and you have a couple options as to how to schedule that. Um, you know, they figured out over the life expectancy and you can withdraw funds by December 31st uh, of the fifth year following the original IRA owner's death. Um, you can draw all of it. Um, or you can take it over over your lifetime. Yeah, I mean, so you got to be careful with that, though. If you do it over the five year withdrawal option, um, you know, you have the flexibility. You can take that on with a lump sum during the year or distribution on a monthly basis. But if you uh, fail to fully deplete the IRA by the the fifth year, if you take that option, then you're going to face a fifty percent penalty on the amount that's left in the account. So, Ouch. you got to watch out for that. Make sure you're you're taking your distributions and fo- kind of following the rules on that. Yeah, if you're, I mean, kind of the bottom line, if you inherit a Roth IRA, it can be kind of complicated. If you don't plan to take the money out immediately and use it for something, then my suggestion would be start taking the RMDs immediately and just take your required minimum distribution, and you can always take more if you need it. Um, But it's great money. It's still tax-free, so why not leave it in there and let it grow tax-free, you know, till you absolutely need it. Um, Once that money's in that great 
tax-free vehicle, <clears throat> you want to milk that as long as you possibly can. Yeah, no doubt. So, all right, good topic. And that leads us up here to our next item, and that is the question of the week. Yeah, so this has to do with student loan debt. And, Steve, it seems like we're getting questions weekly on, hey, I have a lot of student loan debt, or my, my uh, daughter son have it, grand grandchildren have it. What are the options? And there's not there's not a lot of good options here. Um, you know, you can't bankrupt um, student loan debt. Um, not so, easily. Not yeah. easily, that's right. <laughs> so um, death does work, but you certainly don't want to go down that path. <laughs> that's right. I'm just saying that, you know, that you, when someone does pass away, that, that they are forgiven at that point. But so here are a couple of options. Um, we've run across a company that's called uh, Gradfin, G-R-A-D-F-I-N, and we're doing some research into it. It looks like they can... Uh, help you with the interest rate. Basically, they're not going to be able to change the amounts. Re- refinancing and so forth. it, refinance um, and lower the the rates associated with that. We've we've uh, worked with them on a couple of of items. You can um, also potentially get a get into a government loan forgiveness program, mm-hmm. where maybe you're working uh, in a certain area that, that the government needs help in. Basically, and it's a ten year uh, commitment. So after ten years, and you're making some minimum payments, they will forgive the loan. So that's yeah. a big commitment. I've seen a couple of people doing that, yep. and that's a great deal, actually. I mean, yep. if you're already, you know, a school teacher or you're you're, you're in, you know, um, one of those professions, you just want to make sure you work for a public school, or you know, you want to make sure you work for a public in a public capacity, um, or and there's some charities that qualify yes, as well, right, um, right. So, uh, but yeah, if you can work ten years, you got to make reasonable payments, um, you know. So you still have to make payments to the loans, but after ten years, they totally forgive it, and and it can be a big number. We've done the math on that um, for <clears throat> a client that I was sitting down with, and you know, she was still going to owe like thirty thousand dollars at the end of that. Yeah, and it was all going to be forgiven. So yeah, that's another option. I tell you, the, uh, another option that we'll throw out there is uh, you know, Dave Ramsey has a uh, class called Financial Peace University. Just teaches you how to, to to get out of debt and manage money, maybe getting a second job to pay extra on that debt once you have a plan. So, you know, there's not an easy way to handle these balances, um, but you got got to get control of it. FPU is a great way. Dave Ramsey is a great resource for that. You know, sometimes getting a second job and putting it all towards that uh, student loan debt is going to help you get it out, out of it quicker. But um, it's tough. I mean, we see people coming out with... Fifty, a hundred, we see as high as three hundred thousand dollars for vets and doctors coming out. So it's it's scary. Yeah, it can be tremendous. So you want to avoid that at all costs for sure. So the the right answer really is to to deal with it before you get into that kind of debt, and yeah. uh, you know go local, <clears throat> do some things to to keep the student loan debt at a very minimum. Um, but good good question of the week, and that leads up here to our next topic, and that is the national debt. Yes, twenty twenty two trillion. Wow, right? what but, a fun topic, John. Yeah, thank, yeah, it's a good holiday, you know, mood here. But uh, you know, there's Steve. We've been talking about the national debt, um, you know, for for decades now. I know you were mentioning uh, Larry Burkett wrote a book back in the nineteen ninety about the the situation the and coming economic earthquake. Yeah, yeah that's right. The same thing that was thirty years ago almost. Yeah, so it's it's certainly brought up, and and I know politicians are aware of it, and we get questions on it periodically, and. Um, you know, 22 is, is the highest mark we've, we've ever had. It's the highest level, uh, since World War II, about 80% of GDP. And, uh, there are some other countries out there that have, um, higher, you know, debt loads, um, Greece, Japan, Italy, Portugal, um, as well. So, you know, the, the long-term prognosis, it's, it's hard to, uh, to say, I mean, no one really knows there's, there's a debate out there. It's not affecting the, the markets, 
right now. I mean, it's it's public information. Right. Uh, the twenty two trillion is is a little misleading, right? There's there's about yeah, six million that that's right. You know, five point eight trillion. Trillion. Yeah. <clears throat> that's uh, that's intergovernmental, you know, uh, borrowing. Basically, we borrowed from the Social Security and Medicare trust funds. Um, that's five point eight trillion dollars, and there is no no maturity on those those loans. Basically, it's like you borrowing from your Christmas fund, you mm-hmm. know, internally yourself. Um, you know, you don't have to pay yourself back. Um, and I, I think uh, the reality is we probably never will, you know, unless the accounting itself just results in that. But we, you know, there's that's that's not true debt, I guess, in my my. My opinion. Yeah, it doesn't um, have a, a maturity date. Doesn't have a maturity date. Yeah. You know, it's like one percent. It's a very low interest rate. Doesn't. That's not affected by interest rates. So you know, then it's still we have sixteen trillion of real debt. Mm. So it is. It is very significant. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so there's there's certainly mixed, um, you know, there's the, people are debating it out there. I hear CNBC talking about it and so forth. And gosh, I mean, it's doubled in the last ten years, and it was an issue ten years ago, and it just doesn't seem to um, to be affecting the markets or companies or even right. the government. You know? Yeah, I mean, if the world's <laughs> largest economy accumulates its most significant debt ever, I mean, does it matter? Of course, it, it matters, but economists are divided. Many say that because the the dollar's role in the global financial system um, is what it is, the U.S. can essentially borrow as much as it wants um, at lower rates. But others say that the debt um, could threaten the economy and, you know, during the future downturns and the current expansion. um, So it's, you know, a perfect time to get that under control. So it, it certainly... I mean, it certainly has an effect. There's no doubt, and it and it and it will. It can't go on forever. Yeah, you know, it will definitely, you know, come home to roost eventually. Yeah. So one of the the things, uh, the out outcomes of this is that you know the U.S. pays interest on this debt, and uh, as the debt grows, um, even though interest rates are are low, um, you know, the amount of payments uh, are projected to rise associated with it. Um, so you know, the U.S. is going to be spending more on. Um, agriculture and uh, some veteran programs, um, according to the Congressional Budget Office. So it's becoming a, it's about two percent roughly um, as a portion of the GDP. So it's still a small percentage, but any amount going to interest payments means it's not going to something else. Right? Yeah, it definitely <clears throat> weighs on it. I will put it into perspective too, and just say there are countries like Japan that are have been at over two hundred percent GDP, which is more than double, you know, the rate that we're at now um in debt and they've been that way for almost 30 years mm-hmm. now um so it you know they can hit kind of a steady state and be there for a very very long time without getting much worse um and hopefully we'll at least get to that point <clears throat> but yeah i mean high debt during good times um is is really asking for you know things trouble. to turn down yep. it's asking for trouble yeah i mean you consider a married couple who you know, earns a six-figure salary and routinely carries a credit card balance of $90,000, you know, households like this routinely do face uh, some problems down the road um, because they don't have a cushion for, you know, poor economic times. So if somebody loses their job, for instance, the couple would be forced to borrow money at higher rates and then sell their, their, uh, you know, valuables um, to, you know, curtail their spending entirely in unpleasant ways. So, you know, you don't want to get yourself in that situation, and that's kind of what 
what you know we're eventually headed to. Yeah, so I mean, it really goes back to what I just mentioned: interest payments. Um, they're not necessarily debilitating, but uh, you're really not getting anything for that, right? So instead of spending money on infrastructure that you know puts money into circulation that goes to businesses and fuels hiring and trade and so forth, you know, spending on interest doesn't do anything. It does. It just goes to another country, and it's simply covering the cost of decisions that were made a long time ago. Yeah, it's definitely a drag on the economy, um, you know, having money just going to interest. So the rise in debt, I mean, it will impose burdens on future generations. Um, you know, the millennials are catching on to that and they're they're starting to kind of, uh, uh, you know, talk about it. Um, not everyone agrees with the analysis, but, you know, the only reason interest payments appear um, high is because the U.S. Social Security, uh, U.S. social spending is stingy compared to that of other developing country, countries, according to this author. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting perspective. Um, so you know you can't you can't make it uh, big just by comparing uh, to things that are small. Is his perspective, anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know one of the other you know discussions is is you know, if the government's out there borrowing. Um, it's putting pressure on the on the um, uh, de- demand for loans because the government's competing with businesses and um, everybody else in the market for loans. So it's going to, you know, their their theory is it's going to jack up interest rates, which is really not the case now. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't happened in a long time. Yeah. Um, but you know, at some point, you know, if there was a limited amount of <clears throat> of uh, of 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 people wanting to buy, you know, government debt the interest rates would go up. Yeah, and, you know, this this article goes on to point out that, um, you know, the, the tax cuts that we had were were supposed to generate more revenue and help with the deficit as well. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, since debt is most commonly measured uh, relative to GDP, some, some people point out um, that another way to make the debt smaller is to grow the economy faster. Um, you know, that was a theory behind the 2017 tax cuts, which did boost economic growth, but they fell short of kind of paying for themselves, um, according to, to some economists. But as those cuts show, you know, uh, such an outcome is, is hard to plan for because the economy uh, depends on a lot going on in the global mm-hmm. world as well as on domestic policy. So it's it's not as simple as as just you know growing the U.S. economy. Yeah, I tell you, I think the um, I think the politicians are going to have to address this sooner than later. I mean, you got Medicare, which is supposed to go bankrupt in the you know in twenty twenty five, and you got Social Security. It's on the statements that you see like twenty thirty four. And I think the way they're going to do that, Steve, is is they're going to increase taxes. I mean, sure. I think if you look in, you know, one of the things we look at, you know, with folks is um, trying to minimize taxes today, but also in the future as well. So maybe doing Roth conversions today to get money into after-tax accounts, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I will say, too, I mean, our silver lining in the U.S. is that we are taxed at a lot lower level than most countries. Um you know, over the last 20 years, we've had multiple tax cuts that have lowered and lowered and lowered our tax base. Um, so now we have a pretty s- small tax base compared to, you know, compared to our GDP and compared to other countries. Countries in Europe are, are taxed, you know, if you look at their VAT tax and their, their income tax and all the taxes, they, they're taxed about twice um, the level that we are here in the U.S. So there's a lot of room for us to increase taxes to balance our budget if we had the resolve to do that. 
Um, and I think that 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 that's one reason why our credit rating is so high and mm-hmm. why people are still buying our bonds and our interest rates are low is because because investors know that you know we could raise the money if we had to to and we're not going to default on our payments. Right. You know, right. they could easily raise taxes here in the U.S. and um, you know double taxes for that matter and still be you know about at the level of Europe. So uh, so we have a lot of flexibility in the future, but it's certainly something that's got to be addressed. I mean, it's a serious problem, and, uh, you know, our politicians can't keep kicking this down the road forever. Yeah, we keep saying that. <laughs> we do, <laughs> They keep kicking we? it, so we do. It will, uh, it's not going to happen in this election, but I bet you the next election in 2024, Medicare will be at the top. Yeah. It has to be. It'll have to be. Yeah, it'll be, be in serious, serious trouble by then with all the baby boomers that'll be on it. Yep, so, yep. Uh, all right, and that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is how to improve your your credit score, and obviously, you know, Dave Ramsey talks a lot of, a lot about the the FICO score as being an I love debt score. So, um, you know, we're all in favor of not having a FICO score and not using debt. So, let me just state Absolutely. that on the front end of this. Absolutely. But but we do have a lot of folks asking this question, and um, you know, so to to define what a poor credit score is. Uh, you're you're considered a subprime borrower if you have less than 669 on your credit score. So that's kind of the threshold between okay. yep. you know good and poor. Um, and if you don't know what your credit score is, you can go to Credit Karma or CreditWise. Uh, I think Credit Sesame is another one out there as well. And uh, so here's some ways to improve your your credit score. And 35% of the FICO calculation is um, paying your bills on time. Right. Yeah, that's a big part of it. <laughs> it it's is kind of a no-brainer. It is. So that's where the FPU gets into play with Dave's stuff. Is you know getting on board and paying everything off. If you've missed payments, um, get current and uh, stay current. And uh, we hear a lot of times people saying, "Hey, I'm going to open up new credit cards and to increase the available credit," because that is a percentage of the FICO score as well. It's called the credit utilization. But you know, the article we're, we're reading from basically says don't open up new credit cards to do that. You may actually be hurting yeah. yourself. And uh, keep balances low on credit cards as well. So those are a couple items uh, that you can do. You know, Some of them are pretty straightforward. Just get out of debt and stay out of debt. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of common sense. You've know, you got to pay all your bills and you've got to get out of debt. Um, and if, you're, if you do those two things, then your FICO score is going to be good. You know, so, um, yeah, and so you can go, uh, and you ought to go uh, to your annualcreditreport.com and look at your credit report. Of course, once a year, you can get a free credit report from there from all three of the credit reporting agencies. So you can look at that and just, just see what's on your credit report and, um, you know, make sure everything's accurate. Yeah, there may be some, some errors on there. Exactly. And uh, just make sure that you... You, you know what what's on there and uh, and that'll give you ideas too for maybe how to how to improve your credit score yep so all right good prescription of the week and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of money MD tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health check us out on our website moneymd.net and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Gang Associates, a registered investment advisor.